This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Reimagine Law. Now today we're talking about law careers without needing to be a lawyer. So many people have an interest in law, but don't necessarily want to be a fee earner or a lawyer. For example, you might remember Emma Makepeace, who was a clerk at 25 Bedford Row, that appeared on a previous episode called Barristers, It's More Than Just Wig and Gowns. So in this episode, Simon and I from the Reimagined Law team are joined by guests to discuss the range and breadth of these interesting and fulfilling careers uh, that you can have. Um, And these can include in areas like human resources, technology, IT, and marketing, and of course, learning and development. And it's those latter two that we're going to be looking at today. So Simon, over to you. Thanks, Fran. So yeah, so delighted to welcome two guests today. We've got Abina and we've got Debs. We're going to hear from Abina first. Um, And uh, uh, let's get kicked off. So Abina, I've got a number of questions to to throw at you for, uh, um, for today. But I just thought as a start point, could you just introduce yourself uh, and your current role? Uh, and then when you've done that, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll talk to you a bit about the journey that you've been on to, to where you are now. So if you just want to start with just introducing yourself and your role, please. Sure. And thanks for the opportunity, Simon and Fran. So my name is Abina Poku, um, but you can call me Abina. It's absolutely fine. Um, and I am the head of marketing and business development for Africa at Hogan Lovells. Um, I have been in the role for approximately five and a half years, which have been the fastest five and a half years of my life. Um, and it gives me a very broad um, exposure, if you like, to lots of different things within the MMBD context, but also within broader business as well, which I love. As the first question, um, could you just share the journey that you've been on that's got you to, to the fantastic role you're in now, but just share that journey that, that, you've, that you've been on? Gosh, where do I start, Simon? Honestly, it uh, feels like a long time ago that <laughs> I started this journey. Now, I'm one of those unique breeds of people that actually studies marketing in school and actually really enjoys it. Um, and funnily enough, I'd say that the origin of my interest actually started with two movies, um, which I know is really random, but I think is, <laughs> is the truth. Um, and the two movies were um, Working Girl for anyone who was born in the 80s, which I guess also highlights my age. Um, but, you know, Melanie Griffith had this role that was working in this glass building with all these wonderful windows. And she used to walk on, you know, walk um, down the street with her wonderful shoulder padded, shoulder padded um, uh, suits and, you know, her heels. And I just loved it. And I loved the idea of going in, working within a corporate environment and sort of, you know, feeling quite important. So that's the first thing that shaped me. So I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to work in the city, basically. Then I watched a movie by, um, by Eddie. Murphy called Boomerang um, and in that film he's an ad executive and you know he gets it's actually about a love triangle that he gets finds himself in but you know his job was so interesting to me the idea of working that sort of you know working within a creative element but also working within the business you know bringing the two together um, advising people on what you what they should be doing and I love advertising I love adverts as well so for me when I saw that movie I was like yep that's what I want to do and that's how I basically framed my career <laughs> so um, that's where it started and I you know from there I, I studied it I went to uni and I did it um, as, a, as a as a study and I went to City University where um, at the time I was the only black female on the on the business studies course 
um, and that's now known as Cass Business School. And I had a really great time. It was really knowledgeable, you know, um, being in that environment and, I, and it was in the city as well. So it kind of, you know, I felt that I was on the right path. Um, and from there, I then went into a my first role, which was working for an architectural firm. Um, and it's funny because um, just by way of a sort of in between um, being at uni and going into the world of work, I was very fortunate to get a one-year work placement. I did a sandwich course, so I got a one-year work placement at the Walt Disney Company. So I did a year working at the Walt Disney Company where they, they at the time, I think Pixar had just sort of been launched. So Monsters, Inc. was the big thing. And, you know, I was involved in launching that and I went to the premiere. So you can imagine a 20-year-old or 19-year-old going to movie premieres. I thought, you know, I was living the life of Riley. Um, <laughs> and um, I remember also when going to the premiere of the Pirates of the Caribbean. So, you know, it was, um, but outside of that, the work was super interesting, understanding how, you know, you take a product, you take it to market, everything that's involved behind the scenes is incredible. And it was a great learning experience for me. I know when we spoke last time around this, you, you'd worked in a number of large organisations and other organisations, and that started to help you think about the, the kinds of organisations you wanted to work in going forward. So do you want to just talk a little bit about, about that? My experience at Disney taught me something about my character. Um, and one thing it taught me is that although, you know, you see the, the big lights and you see the big buildings, you know, the culture inside that, that building has to be right for you. Otherwise, you just won't develop. So, um, although I had originally had ambitions to go into Saatchi and Saatchi and Ogilvy and all these fantastic PR um, agencies, coming out from the experience at Disney and knowing sort of what was required and then having the feedback from those who did work in those organizations who were kind enough to fill me in, um, I just felt that culturally it wasn't right for me and I didn't feel like I could be my authentic self. Um, and I'm a lot already as my authentic self. So I wanted to be somewhere where I felt culturally, um, I, you know, it was much more accepting and I could make an impact. So I, I got a role working within an architectural firm. You'd think, you know, architects isn't the, isn't the best place to work. But I was, again, very fortunate and worked in a, a role where I was, um, it was because they're architects, obviously, they do lots in the building space. And, you know, building and um, property isn't known for being particularly diverse in any capacity. So, you know, I used to go to these huge conferences for hotels and resorts. And that's what the architectural service specialized in. They did lots of hotels and resorts. Um, and um, and as you can imagine, themed resource isn't necessarily something that the UK are known for. <laughs> so that meant a lot of my work was actually overseas. So it meant I got to travel. So getting a first job where you're traveling to Dubai as they were building the Burj Al Arab and, you know, building all these wonderful and exciting products was really, really wonderful for me. And it was a standalone role. So again, I got to exercise lots of different marketing skills. Um, but I was able to take that and essentially, t you know, use that to really kind of launch pad me into my next my next phase, which was um, law. And that actually happened by um, happenstance, to be honest, because I was doing a, um, I had been asked to speak um, at a conference about four years into my role, um, and it was for professional services. And I gave a talk and uh, met, and a lot of the people that were actually at that talk were from the legal sector. And they said, you know, we love what you've got to say you know, how come you don't work in legal? Your talents would be so much more appreciated. And I said, oh, no, you know, legal is not for me. And then they told me how much I could get paid. And I said, you know what, I think I might have to rethink that. So I did a step change and, you know, got a, a nice 
bumping my salary as a result of it as well. And um, yeah, and then my career moved from there. So I think my first role was working. Um, I worked through quite a number of different law firms um, and some of them good, some of them bad. And again, like I say, this really does go down to culture. And one thing I would say, if there's one thing I've learned um, throughout my career, which I would say to anyone um, who is in a, an organization, if you really want to grow, you need to make sure that you've got the right support from your management. Um, you know, I've seen many people really sort of not express themselves or not fulfill their true capacity at work just because they haven't been in the right environment in the right culture or had the right support so really think about where you are and um, whether or not it's right for you um, and I, and the reason why that was so significant to me is because it's really led me to where I am now you know I um I was very fortunate again throughout my career to be working with wonderful people um, and many of whom I'm still good friends with now. Um, but when the opportunity to go into Hogan Lovells, which is where I'm at now, came up, it was a result of, well, first of all, having applied three times to Hogan Lovells. <laughs> well, actually, I applied once, then they headhunted me for a role that I then declined. And then the third one is where we all came together and I got this Africa role. And it was a new role. They hadn't had anyone in this position before. So it was an opportunity for me to recreate something new with it, which I relished in. Um, and five and a half years later, I'm still there and have been promoted twice and doing great things. I mean, to the point where I can say that we have increased our work on the continent um, in terms of billings by 75% in, in five years. So, Amazing. you know, really, really interesting and, and very enjoyable. I wonder if you could just bring to life what's involved in a sales and marketing role within a law firm. So what are the kinds of activities that you get involved in? Yeah, I'll, and I'll talk at it from the generic practice role, which is what most people will be employed to do. So, you know, you may be you may come on board as a marketing and BD exec or advisor or, you know, um, uh, support function. And typically your roles will be around directory submissions um, in terms of for the rank, for the legal rankings, you know, doing some proposals and pitching um, for clients, um, creating adverts um, for when the, the, the your particular practice goes to market, pulling forward award submissions, um, you know, supporting partners with sort of general client development. Um, you might get involved in some sort of um, segmentation work, um, some direct marketing work via sort of CRM programs. It's a real mixed bag. And let's not let's not forget events, right? Which tend to be um, a, a, a quite a significant part of, of what we do in this role. So it's I'd say marketing is really varied. And I think as you go up in your career, you start to shape it based on what you know works well. So in my role now, I'm lucky enough to have a team of excellent, excellent people, funnily enough, who are based out in South Africa as well, who are brilliant. Um, and they can help me with a lot of the heavy lifting. So I can really focus on strategy um, and, and implementation. And I can really focus focus on understanding who our clients are and, and identifying them and targeting them and really focusing on the much more of the strategic elements to how we go to market and how we do business um, as opposed to um, you know, the functional parts of the role. Thank you. That's a really good insight into the breadth of what you do uh, in that marketing role and also the journey that you've been on and that we all 
or lots of us will go on a journey and what, where we start out is, is not where we kind of necessarily always kind of get to. So you've really brought that to life, Ben, really well. We now have a second guest, which is uh, uh, Deborah McCormack. So Deborah, um, you and I have known each other for a while. Um, so could you, a bit like Abena did, could you just firstly kind of introduce yourself and then I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to, to take us on your journey that you've been on to, to where you are at the moment. So I'm Debs McCormack. I'm head of early talent at Pinsent Masons, which like um, Abena at Hogan Lovells, Pinsent Masons are a global law firm. So what um, what head of early talent means is basically I look after um, a team and we our remit is everything from that sort of early school talent pipeline all the way through to um, recruiting our um, our junior graduate lawyers, our apprentices, not just legal apprentices, but also lots of different kinds of business ops apprentices. Um, and we onboard them, we train them, we make sure that they um, jump through all the regulatory hoops that they need to, to qualify, um, and we help them transition into newly qualified roles at the end of that. Um, and that's a really interesting remit because there are so many different strands to that most interesting I would say um, at the moment is the diversity and inclusion piece which is a sort of golden thread that runs right through everything that we do from a, um, a very early pipeline perspective so right from school um, until we get our lawyers qualified so I suppose that's a little bit about um, about the role but in terms of my background um, come from a very, um, very normal working class family. You can probably tell that it's a Scottish accent. Um, so I'm from Glasgow and I'm back in Glasgow now. Um, if you are interested in exploring a career in law, you may be quite interested to know that there are lots of things that you can do with a law degree because I qualified in a very conventional, traditional way. So um, went to a, a local comprehensive really enjoyed things like English and history and the kind of more I suppose linguistic subjects at school and kind of always knew that I wanted to do something um, using language and so law seemed like a really natural fit because I also quite liked to argue the toss with everybody um, so I went on to Glasgow um, Glasgow University to their law school and um, studied law with honours for four years and then to qualify as a lawyer in Scotland you have to do a, a postgraduate diploma in law before getting a two-year training contract um, which I secured with a sort of boutique uh, Glasgow and Edinburgh based firm. I should probably say that in terms of background um, neither of my parents have been to university so um, they both had to leave school actually quite early um, and particularly my mum she really instilled in both my sister and I the importance of education she had come from really I'm sure she won't mind me saying now um, really quite a poor background a very poor part of Glasgow and I remember her telling me as a child actually that she, one of her earliest memories was looking out of the window of their flat and thinking there must be something better out there for me. And the way that I'm going to get that is through, you know, trying hard at school, through education, and then I'm training and I'll get a good job. And I think something of that really resonated with me, even as a, a very young person. Um, and so my mum has always been really, really encouraging of, of my sister and I to, you know, to try hard in the educational space. 
And again, something of that, I think, inspired me having become a qualified solicitor um, practicing corporate law for a few years in both Scotland and then moving down to London. So attracted by um, those bright city lights that Abena was talking about, moved down to London and had a brilliant job with um, a firm down there. After a few years, I thought, I've got this really interesting toolkit of skills, all very transferable. So I love the client piece, you know, getting the job done, getting the transactions done for clients, very highly organized, loved to communicate, you know, loved to sort of score points, get the documents done in the way that they wanted. But an internal opportunity came up to work with a partner who was setting up a sort of learning and development department. And um, she was a really impressive partner who I'd heard loads of good things about. And I was quite keen to work with her. So I applied for a job that she was advertising. Um, and she took a real chance on me because they were looking for a learning and development professional rather than a, a corporate lawyer. Um, and I got that job. Um, and just like Abena was saying, that was somebody who really invested in me as, as an individual, really helped to upskill. She really nurtured me in that role and I quite quickly got promoted within that department and ultimately went on to head up the learning and development function. Then the business merged that I was with at that point with another um, really big business and I sort of transitioned into the early talent role specifically because it was a really big early talent population that the two merged firms brought together. So instead of maybe just looking after the 60 or so trainees that I had done at my previous firm, the merged firm needed somebody who would look after a team and look after a really big population of, of trainee solicitors and now apprentices as well. So that's kind of how I ended up where, um, where I've ended up. And what would you say with a, if you think, and you touched on it a little bit there, but if you think about the, the skills and uh, uh, that you developed um, as a lawyer, and you touched on that transferable skills piece, what, what were the things that you think have stood you in good stead to make quite a big change in terms of career direction? Well, it's a, a really good point to make to any of the students that are listening to this. Um, and that's that I would really emphasize this point to you. You learn such amazing skills learning on a law degree and then the kind of vocational training that you do afterwards. Don't limit yourself. So some of the things that you you pick up along the way, communication is absolutely mission critical, really to any career sector, at, at any sector now that you're involved in. So that's Oral presentation, obviously, when you're speaking, but also those written skills. So trying to be um, really sort of succinct and translate your clients' wishes, um, you know, what they're trying to achieve into, into written form. So communication skills are absolutely paramount. Critical thinking, trying to really analyse, like understand the problems, but now go, you know, one or two steps further than that. So once you've understood, identified those problems, coming up with solutions for your clients, obviously, if you're a lawyer, that has to be within the parameters of the law, but get creative. So there's a bit of creativity involved in that. But if you want to be a commercial lawyer, definitely being interested in business. Um, so the, the kind of business piece of it, um, and not forgetting that, whatever you do in the legal sector, so whether that's client-facing as a lawyer 
or you are in, on the business operations side, like um, Abena and, and like myself, you are still serving clients. So you have to really want to do a good job for people. It is a people business. The law is about selling your knowledge. So it's a knowledge sector, but you're dealing with people all the time, trying to get their matters done, their transactions um, their, you know, their litigation settled or won. That's what you're, you know, in the game for. So just really being focused on that client piece, I would say, and really liking working with people. So your sociability comes into that. So that's not just about communication. I genuinely think you have to like working with um, and serving, getting the job done for other people. In one way or another, we all kind of serve people, don't we? Whether it's internally, externally, um, but, but that, that kind of mindset and, and enjoying doing that and, and delivering great outcomes for people. Deb's final uh, question from me to you. If you could just sum up a top tip that you would give anyone who is considering a, a, a career within the legal sector, but not as a lawyer, so not you know someone going on to practice the law, what would be your top tip or thing to think about or to look at or to reflect on? Do you know what? The world's kind of your oyster because there is law is big business. The legal sector is vast and there are so many options. So if you're not thinking about qualifying as, as a solicitor or as a barrister, um, I would say do your research. So there's so much available out there now um, to, to have a look at and lots of virtual work experience options that would maybe give you a little bit of insight into, um, you know, just a, a peek behind the corporate curtains, as it were, into the culture that Abena touched on as well, into the corporate culture of an organisation, into their people, into their clients and some of the opportunities um, that might be available in those organisations. So I would say really, use the internet as a bit of a research tool use your career services um, and maybe you know try to to speak to young people who are in those roles already if there's a way for you to network with those individuals but yeah definitely do your research because the sector is vast and I think sometimes um, there's almost so much choice that I think that can be quite daunting at an early stage in your career but also think about then what your strengths are in relation to a particular career. So, for example, if you really love communicating um, and doing a good job for clients, then something like marketing or um, recruitment, early talent, HR, that might well be um, the space for you. And there's lots to offer in the legal sector if that is the thing that you're thinking about. That's a really nice summary. And there's a, but before I hand back to Fran, I think there's a couple of really strong takeaways. I really like that idea of trying to find a way of sneaking behind the curtain and find out what it's really like, whether that's through you know looking at the internet, virtual work experience, talking to people. And that's the theme through lots of our podcasts that's kind of come through about the, the value and importance of doing that, to find out what it's really like. Um, uh, and I think, Abena, uh, 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 your really good point about you know, finding out about organisations and that culture fit, is it going to be a place where you as an individual feel you will thrive and be supported? And you've both talked about being very lucky to have had people who've sort of invested in you and seen something in you and wanted to, 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 to help you fulfil that potential. So I think some really lovely and, and very true uh, 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 truisms really of, of, of whatever sphere of work you look seek to go into within the legal sector 
that, that I think are true. So those would be my reflections. Thank you. That was a really great insight. Uh, one thing that occurred to me, Debs, is your comment about uh, law being so people focused and whatever you go into within the legal sector, you need to have those communication skills. Really, again, echoes with the previous episode we did about um, law firms as businesses and looking after your clients and having that 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 um, that service focused delivery. So that was a, a nice point. Um, and of course, the, the point on values, you know, I think um, everybody in the last six months, especially over the pandemic period, have got to know to know themselves a lot better. Uh, one of the things, for example, I've realised about myself is I was never designed to sit behind a desk on my own uh, in a house. I need that interaction with people. So I think if, if our listeners um, can identify their own values, match it to the culture, but also match it to the specifics of what they want from a job and not necessarily get distracted with the bright lights of being qualified you know if you started a law degree thinking you want to get to be qualified great not everybody does get there in the end um, and you know time and time again I see students that I work with at Queen Mary University um, that make the decision um, in full knowledge that they don't want to go that that extra stage to, to become a lawyer or a fee earner and to go into a different route and it's a, a hugely valuable and fulfilling career that that arises in, in in many different ways within a law firm or indeed a chamber. Thank you so much. So we always leave our listeners with some actions. Um, and one of the actions that I've just been thinking about while I've listened um, to both Abina and Debs is uh, our listeners could go on to websites, let's say three websites of big law firms, um, and have a look at the careers pages, see what types of roles are being advertised, particularly look at the ones that are not uh, training contracts or Fianna roles, and have a poke around, uh, get behind the curtain again to use that phrase. Simon, I don't know if you thought of an action. I think the one for me, and again, this is a theme we hear time and time again, and you've summed it up really nicely there, Fran. I think use the, 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 the time we've all been through, whenever you're listening to this podcast, but the time that we've lived through COVID, uh, to, where we've learned more about ourselves and what we like and what we don't like. And none of those things are bad. If you don't like something or do like something, no, it's not about good or bad. It's about what's what you like as an individual, what you enjoy doing, what suits you. So use that learning to help you really think about the kinds of careers, whether it's in marketing, you know, whether it's in uh, uh, early talent or recruitment or learning and development or whatever it happens to be, but, but use that time and, and that insight that you, we've all had the opportunity to get um, to, uh, to, to help you make good decisions. Can I make one more um, sort of observation um, around sort of, if you like, the idea of a top tip? COVID has, as you've rightly pointed out, sort of identified strengths and weaknesses in all of us. And (laughs) even having been in this career for 15, 16 years, it's certainly taught me a lot about myself. Um, But I think adaptability is critical, irrespective of what uh, role you take within any organisation. And what I'm hoping is that um, irrespective of your role or where you are or where you're looking to go to, how have you adapted to the changes that COVID have brought to us? And I really think it's important that people think about that because, you know, there are traditional ways of doing things and there are alternative ways of doing things. And, you know, social media, for example, has been a, has played a huge impact in the way that we now communicate. So don't necessarily wait for that phone to ring. Um, get online, you know, reach out to people, um, seek out those that 
potential mentors, seek out those that are doing where, what you think is really interesting and where you'd like to be and engage with them because everyone's now stuck at their computer. So you're more likely to get a response as well. <laughs> but yeah, you know, be adaptable and, you know, prepare yourself for what's next and, and just don't, whatever you do, don't um, think, don't feel like it's, it's got to be one way or another think about what's available to you and adapt yourself accordingly to it because you'll end up you'll you'll end up better off for it totally agreed totally agreed um brilliant well that's the end of this episode um but if you've enjoyed this episode please give us a like on whatever platform you're listening to us on and do remember to subscribe to reimagine law so that episodes download automatically to your device that leaves me with one last thing which is to say thank you from both simon and i uh, to abina and debs for joining us um today and thank you for listening